Episode 132 of Corporate Lunch begins now. Take your seats, strap into your gaming chair, boot up your hi-fi audio equipment, and prepare to listen to the sweet sounds of three people talking about clothes. This is Corporate Lunch, and we're just going to do our best and, uh, and hope that you enjoy it. Sam, Rachel, welcome back to Corporate Lunch. Welcome back to another day in the life of whoever you guys are. What's up? How are you guys doing? Say something, please. It's good to be home. It's great to be home. Good. Thank you. I like your hat, Noah. Did you make Thank you. No, I didn't make this hat at all. Some woman in Montreal made it and I bought it at a flea market in, um, I mean, at a farmer's market in Keene Valley, New York in the Adirondacks. And uh, it's scandinavianweaveandknit.com. This woman's hats are amazing. It was like a hundred degree day. We had just finished like hiking for multiple days, uh, tall mountains. And, uh, I just go to the farmer's market. And the only thing I bought was a wool hat, but it really spoke to me. And now it's, it's paying off all that fine produce in season. And you just went straight for the beanie. That's right. I skipped over the it. fresh, the fresh strawberries, the peaches, all the, all of the stone fruits were especially good that weekend, but I went straight to the Scandinavian knitwear and, uh, and found a beanie thinking ahead. You know, I'm always thinking ahead. I'm always planning what's going to be on my head in the months to come. You buy your peaches in April and then let them rot and eat them in August. <laughs> anyway, we're getting off topic here. The important thing is that the September issue of GQ is finally out. And um, the reason that's important is because one of my finest pieces of writing is in this magazine. One of the best things I've ever done <laughs> in my life. Probably the only thing I'm proud of, frankly. Well, this is actually kind of, I feel like this is um, a piece in kind of an unofficial series for you, right? Because you like, you did that um, piece on Supreme in 2019, right? Yeah. And then this is kind of the spiritual successor to that. Yeah, it is in a, in a sense. I mean, it, it's a, yeah, it is undeniably in a similar vein. I mean, I think in the case of Supreme, that brand has been around for a lot longer and a lot more has been written about it. And they put out a book and, um, but uh, similar to this palace story, it was definitely like attempting to do something somewhat definitive because both brands are extremely press shy. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's pretty well known about James Jebbia, who, you know, is very rarely photographed, uh, very rarely does interviews. And, um, I think there's like two, two, two components of that. One is, I mean, it's part of a great tradition for fashion brands to the really influential ones tend not to say much. Um, you know, Martin Margiela is famously a recluse and doesn't speak or show himself publicly at all. And I think that's probably like the most famous example, but it really does. Um, it's something that sort of happens across fashion at certain levels. And sometimes it's sort of silly, like, some designers don't, don't want to do interviews and you're like, okay, relax. You're not, you're not Ray Kawakubo. Like you're just some dude who has a brand. Like, why don't you just like be cool and talk about it? And then um, in some instances, it does seem like sort of savvy marketing, you know? I mean, if you've got a good brand and it's selling really well, for one, don't screw it up by saying a bunch of dumb shit. And for two, this just sounds like fucking branding. One, like I, I sound like such an a hack when I say this, but like, let the brand do the talking, you know, like put out good stuff, 
put out good content, let that be the way you speak to the world and so on. So anyway, that's been sort of the supreme mode and then palace um, for its own reasons has been sort of a similar thing. So my point was that a lot had been written about supreme, but no one really, very rarely do people sort of try to wrap their arms all the way around the thing and have like an idea or a thesis about it. And in my case, it was that what Supreme's actually extremely good at is making clothes. And, um, and that's the success of that brand. And, and James Jebbia participated in that story and we were able to do something pretty special. And then um, for Palace, starting a couple of years back with help from some friends, Alex Diamond and uh, in particular, who, who's been doing some work for, for Palace, I slowly, little by little started sort of planting the seed with them to do this story and, and was mostly not totally turned away, but kind of like, we had some false starts. There was some interest, but I was basically told that Lev Tanju, the guy who, you know, started Palace, doesn't really like to do interviews. And if we do anything like this, it's going to have to, it's going to be, he's going to be really particular about it and so on. But, you know, eventually we got there and he agreed to participate. And, um, and so it came to be, and the idea, the sort of Palace idea that came to me like halfway through working on it, in a sense was like palace is really the most entertaining brand on the, on the planet and, you know, fashion brand. Um, what palace is extremely good at. It's just always fireworks and explosions at palace every single fucking day. Like what they're extremely good at is dreaming big. And this is what Lev talks about, which is literally like getting stoned or drunk at the pub and just coming up with crazy ideas. And then, instead of waking up the next morning and forgetting about them and going on to do something ordinary and boring, they wake up the next morning and like actually make that stuff happen. Tell us about Nugget. Uh, Gabriel Pluckrose is he's, he's, you know, a London skater. I don't, I don't know like his whole life story necessarily, but he's a lot younger than Lev. And my understanding is he was just a kid who was hanging around when, when Lev, who's a bit older, when, when Lev and some of the guys from, um, slam city skates were, you know, I don't know, just like at the, at the South bank skate park a lot or hanging around at that shop and nugget was around. And my sense is that nugget always had cool style and Lev appreciated it. And they grew over the years, they got to be pretty close. And then when this brand got off the ground, Lev was like, nuggets going to be my designer. Like this, like just this kid who's my friend, who I trust, who I like, who I think has cool style, he's going to do this. And then he basically learned on the job and is kind of like the in-house stylist. Um, he's a, I mean, I think he's a great stylist and he does a lot of the clothing design work, which Lev is really remains the sort of creative director, but Nugget and then a guy named Ferg, Fergus Purcell does, Ferg does the graphic design and he's a legend. He, he designed the Tri-Ferg logo. And then Nugget, um, you know, is like a, a a kind of a creative director type role in the in the collection. So, and Lev writes the captions for Instagram. <laughs> Lev, Lev writes every caption. He he, he, he like I you know he, he apparently still answers DMs. Like people are DMing Palace, like yo, I don't know, asking weird questions, and he's like actually answering them. Um, he's a very cool down to earth guy who happens to be in charge of a massive. What, what I consider to be a massive brand. I mean, you know, they're not as big as Supreme, but it's like, you got stores in New York, LA, London, Japan, like, come on, that's a- Well, and they did this huge Ralph collaboration, which you 
the scene that you open this piece with is so hilarious. Yeah, I really wanted to get that story in as much detail as I could. And like, I asked everyone that was in that meeting and some people are just like, yeah, I don't remember what happened that day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, just cause like, you know, that's the type of scene you never really get. Like we see collaborations come and go and you get a lot of interviews and bullshit from each side of the collaboration, like why it was important and what the inspiration was and yada, yada. But like to really get that picture of like, yeah, one day Lev and, and his, his um, partner at the brand Gareth, you know, went to New York and took a meeting with the people at Ralph. And um, I think that the collection was kind of all, all set and done at that point, but it was just a, I don't know, something like a formality or just an opportunity for them to all meet before it was like off in production and they shook hands. And then all these polo people were like, okay, cool. Now you guys are going to go now we're going to go into Ralph's office. And they had, no one was expecting that to happen. It wasn't like part of the plan. And then, you know, I'm, you know, these like big, like wood mahogany doors swing open at the end of this conference room. And suddenly they enter like Ralph's lair and he's just, so anyway, just getting, getting that story. And um, I had heard actually from some other, some friends who kind of knew that, you know, Lev showed up one day at Ralph's office wearing sweatpants and, and uh, crock loafers and just was like, walked into the man's office and just through the power of his own, you know, the twinkle in his eye, he, he, he and Ralph, he, he won Ralph over somehow and got him to agree to do this like collaboration with Escape Brand that includes like the heel flipping polo bear and, you know, polo skate decks and stuff that you just it's like pretty surprising to see if you really think about it. Like we take for granted that you can open hypebeast.com on any given fucking day and see anything like any brand collaborate with anyone. But if you really think about, if you really like stop for a second to think about it, um, this one in particular is quite surprising. It's really the perfect anecdote because it drives home how magnetic and charismatic and confident Lev must be to be able to walk into Ralph's office, totally cold and seal the deal on this, you know, unprecedented collaboration for Polo. And it's, 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 it's hard to imagine many other designers being able to do that, especially if they realize that they're wearing kind of the wrong outfit. <laughs> totally. Although Ralph yeah. does, Ralph knows the power of like, you know, sweatpants with a blazer. Exactly. I mean, it, it's funny. Cause I, I kind of, I play that up in the story to set the scene and it, talking about it now, but of course we all know that Ralph and his whole brand is based on a certain sort of uh, irreverence or whatever mixing. I mean, that's the whole Ralph thing has always been like your Western on the bottom and formal up top or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. so, and Lev knew that Lev knows that as well as anyone. He's been a fan of that brand for a long time. So I think if there was a sense that Ralph was a really formal guy and was going to want everyone in suits, like, you know, Lev probably would have found a suit to wear um, perhaps, but I just think it, it does say a lot about, it, what it's what one thing it sort of tells you is this is a guy who is so as English as it gets, and the track suits are just a huge staple in that style, and he's never let go of that. And Palace is such an English brand. I mean, if you look at just the way Supreme is in New York brand, but it's like really, you look at what Palace is putting out, you're like, this is like for the lads, a hundred percent all the way, and it has appeal globally. I mean, it's cool to everyone, but that's really that's really what it is, and. Um, you know, he didn't walk into Ralph's office with some Americana on. Um, 
but yeah well you talk yeah. about how there was like this he had this realization that like there was a specific kind of like english audience that he could appeal to um and that there wasn't really even though there were like a lot of people who skated in in england that like there hadn't really been a brand that like felt british and that that was like part of what he wanted to do yeah definitely so like a few things about that the first is that skateboarding like comes from southern california and for so long and still today like the brands and like the iconography and like the the spirit of like skateboarding in so many ways is like this socal thing and i think a lot of people have worked to shake that or to develop it in other regions into its own thing and like in the in the east coast of the u.s we've done that really successfully like new york and dc and philly and boston all have like a whole other skate culture of brands and styles and like music and everything that's just is or was like sort of organically formed and is as influential as like the southern california thing and i think if you just look at what supreme is and what it's done you you recognize that so i think what lev saw or felt was that london needed that you know the english skate scene the london skate scene more specifically could and should have a similar you know like platform like not just a way for him to sell clothes and like have a brand out in the world, but an actual, like a fully realized, um, like vision and, and like, like a presentation for this, mm -hmm. like whole culture and scene that they know and love is as a part of what they do, because you just saw it elsewhere. You just like looked to what was popping in New York, like early zoo York or whatever. And you just saw like, they're fully representing their scene. They don't have to like pretend to be a California thing. They're this New York thing. And I think for Lev, it was like, we don't have to pretend to be a New York thing. We can be a an English thing. So, and there were some really good English skate brands. Uh, Blueprint was one in particular that came before Palace, um, but hadn't been around for a little bit. So there was this sort of gap. There was this like, there, there, the English skate brand didn't really exist at the time that Palace really properly launched. Is it like, do you think it's maybe in, in a way, is that like a more ambitious idea even to have an, London than it is to have in New York because I feel like there's there's like and maybe this is my own like myopic view of England but I feel like there's such a specific like entrenched view of like English style and like menswear in England like means it's like very specific thing whereas like in New York if you're like okay cool like I'm gonna start a, a skate brand and it's like yeah like streetwear is like a pretty by like the you know, early nineties was like a very well-established thing. And certainly like you have, you know, it's not like Oasis was like wearing tailoring or something, but it just seems <laughs> yeah. like more, it seems like a crazier and more ambitious idea to me to start to say like, I'm going to create a brand that embodies British skating. Yeah. Even more so than like, I'm going to create a brand that embodies New York skating. Cause it's like, it's almost like a more organic kind of like American idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wish I knew way more about like English rave culture and football culture, but you know, he, that's, they, they, they found like in the way that New York draws on hip hop, like they, and, and frankly, I don't know, basketball. I mean, like basketball jerseys were popular or like the U S military, mm -hmm. which of course, like, 
we're such a fucking military state that like cargo pants and camo and Timberland, yeah. Timberland boots and like basketball jerseys. I mean, like some of the, this was like, this was like fundamental skate fashion um, in the nineties, you know? And I think for Lev and his crew looking at, I don't know, track suits that come from sort of like football culture or stuff ravers were wearing and, and, um, they also obviously like the British casuals thing, I think trickles into it. You see a lot of the kind of like smart clothes as they would call it. Um, which kind of is where the Ralph comes into it. I think like, it was funny. They made a point how polo was really popular and Ralph Lauren was really popular for them in the UK all, all, all the time, but it was really different stuff than what you would find in New York. Like in New York, you had the low heads who were like co-opting this like very like street aggressive, like technical and kind of like flashy polo based fashion culture. And then in the UK, they were doing like a smart fashion take on that. So everything was like much preppier and like corduroy. And they were really into like the polo shirts, which you know, polo shirts are a classic, but like, I don't think low heads gave a shit about polo shirts. You know, it, it, it was, it was like a whole different thing. So, um, I don't know. Some of it, yeah, is as basic as like what I'm describing, which is just breaking down like the influences and, and then synthesizing all that shit into a brand. And if you think about it that way, you're like, yeah, palace is kind of like a no brainer. And then also it's worth noting, I think maybe a little tangential, but like UK has a really England, has a just a really rich fashion history like yeah you know alexander mcqueen would have been someone that like a little older than lev but who like definitely would have influenced like lev and people he knows and you know uh fergus ferg the graphic designer went to central saint martin's and you know these guys are friends with fashion designers and fashion stylists that aren't part of the skate world and always were down to embrace that and make that part of what they do without shame or without, um, without irony or without really giving a shit about what kind of the core skate world would think. You make a, you make a great point that Lev's genius was really in like connecting the dots between those fashion influences and history and skateboarding. And he sort of realized, you know, you note that, that Lev kind of realized that, um, skateboarders really cared about fashion and clothes you know, before the skaters themselves even realized it. Um, there's a good quote from Levin here about, you know, how when you're skating, like, you know, they don't realize they're involved in fashion, but everybody's fucking looking at someone else's chinos. Yeah. Um, which I think is a common, is sort of a common thing in skateboarding um, as, as I understand it. But I think you make the point that Lev kind of realized this in the scene and brought all these really rich influences from, you know, rave culture and menswear and, you know, smart dressing and stuff like that and sort of like introduced it into his very, um, you know, cool and influential like crew, which was at the time the Palace Wayward Boys Club or Boys Choir. Yeah, I mean, you know, skateboarding is like any other kind of culture or community where like there's always going to be people within it who are just drawn to dressing really wild, you know, like that any friend group has that or or team or whatever the fuck, however you want to like podcast yeah any podcast crew has the one person who dresses like an idiot it's clearly me (laughs) and um you know it makes sense that like within skating there's gonna be people who are gonna be more interested in fashion lev was one of those people and um 
the fact that in skating, the history of skating, most, you know, modern like street skating, like you, it would never, it was not cool to ever talk about fashion or to consider fashion or to talk about the importance of fashion and skating. But as Lev says, everyone's just looking at someone else's fucking chinos. Like it's all, it is actually all about fashion. And it makes me think of a, my, the story I did with Alexis Sablone, the skater who shout out Alexis, she got fourth place in the Olympics. Amazing. Um, she's just the coolest person on the planet. I can't say enough cool stuff about her. And in my conversation with her, she was like, you know, someone can be like as technically good at skating as, as anyone's ever seen. But like, if their if their pants don't look good, then like, it's not, it's like, who cares? So I think Lev just like, just took a very, very basic premise of skateboarding, which is like everyone who skates cares about fashion to some extent and made it kind of the focus of the brand and, uh, or like a focus of the brand. I mean, it's worth noting that the palace skate team is fucking amazing and they put out amazing skate videos and, um, they, they certainly back it up, but yeah, just that acknowledgement that it's like no skater is too cool for fashion because it's, it's just naturally a, a part of what skating is about and how someone looks when they do a trick is as important as like what the trick was. That's pretty like, that's like a fundamental it's, it's much more like widely accepted now. I think, um, you know, there's like some skate Instagram account that I think just is like called what pants are those that's entirely based on like what pants different skaters are wearing in different clips because you know, sometimes you see like a great trick on Instagram and you're like, damn, what pants was he wearing? You also have this interesting idea in here that like Lev says, like the brand is for everyone, Yeah. which at first I was like, okay, yeah. Like I've heard that kind of idea before, but he takes it in this like really cool direction, which is like, it's not necessarily about like being a democratic brand or being like an inclusive brand or like those kinds of words that you hear so often it's about, he says, um, I'm not for people who are in the know. I hope I'm making pop art. And if it's good, you see it, you like it, you want it. And to me, like what I love about that is it's like such a true, it's like such true, real, like honest fashion, like this just idea of like, that's cool. I gotta have it. Like that, that so many even like really great designers, like don't understand that idea. Um, and I just, it made me think of like the first time I went into the store on Howard street and like walking in and seeing the like Monica piece statue <laughs> and being like, this is so funny. And like, yeah. I get it. It's just funny. It's like, it's funny to have this like ridiculous, like Baroque statue in the middle of this store on Howard street. Yeah. And there's like, you know, like that, as as you say, it's like, it's entertaining and it's like kind of a joyful thing to be around. And it didn't feel um, like, eh, like, what are you doing here? It was yeah. like, oh, we're all in this like crazy store together. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, a few things about that one, like these guys are all, I don't know, maybe, everyone I talked to at Palace, which includes Gareth and Lev, you know, the, the owners and founders and, and Fergus and, and Gabriel and others I've worked with making this story, they're just so friendly and they're all just like having a good time. And that sounds, it does sound, that sounds kind of basic. Um, but I rarely have found, have discovered that like 
that ethos is really backed up as much as it is um, in Palace and their actions. And I think the humor is just a huge part of that. I mean, Lev is a hilarious guy. It's a hard thing to convey in writing a profile. It's a hard thing to explain. But if you if you engage with the Palace brand through the captions or the Instagram or whatever, watch the videos they produce. Like this is, like I said, this is entertainment at like the highest level. And most of the time it's hilarious. You can only do that if you have someone like Lev in charge who is genuinely a hilarious person. Like I haven't gotten to like have pints at the, at the pub with him, but I, like it is this is what people talk about when they talk about palace, like how much fun Lev is and how funny Lev is and what he's like as a person. And, and, and the brand is really a reflection of that above all else. I mean, it, it reflects English skating and English fashion culture in so many ways, but um, it, it really is this sort of like this one man's perspective in a cool way. And it's funny that they'll say, well, this brand is for everyone. Cause if you look at the collections, you're like, it's actually, a lot of the shit is stuff that not too many people would wear. I mean, it's a lot of dodgy clothes, as they say. <laughs> but I think that that notion that like, well, dodgy clothes are for everyone is a, is a good one, um, is a good premise for a brand. And I think you're right, Rachel. It's one that um, is often overlooked or not quite grasped by plenty of other fashion brands, high and low. An example of how the how their sense of humor is reflected in their actions and their clothes that really jumped out at me from your story, Noah, is how they um, they conceived of this Juventus collab, which is like one of the biggest soccer clubs in the world. And like landing that collab was like a huge moment for them, obviously. And, and it put Palace on one of the biggest stages in the world because Ronaldo was wearing Adidas Palace stuff. And they thought that it would be a good idea to do just because of how funny it would be if Ronaldo, who's a huge Nike athlete, scored a goal in a Palace, in an Adidas Palace kit. Yeah. And that was the, like, that was the idea. Yeah. The whole and thing is just a joke. Made it happen. Yeah. It worked out. <laughs> right. And everyone's Ronaldo happy. Scored a game winning goal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Ronaldo scoring the goal is just the punchline to like one of the greatest branding jokes ever conceived, which is also frankly, just good fun. Like, is it hurting anyone? Like, except maybe some people the who team like team who lost. <laughs> well, the team who lost. Yeah. And some real like corporate ass cronies at Nike who somehow like, you know, just are upset to be on the other side of the joke. But no, I mean, some of the most interesting conversation our, parts of our conversation were like, um, <laughs> I feel like I just kept asking Gareth and Lev, like, yeah, but how do you guys do this stuff? Like they did the, the Mercedes collaboration on the, um, the race car. And, you know, they had palace being worn at Wimbledon by the Wimbledon, by the, you know, the woman who won. And, um, the, you know, the Ronaldo thing just felt, it's like, there's so much money uh, on the line and these are global events and Palace is so relatively small, both in terms of like budgets and footprint, just compared to massive global sporting events. But the truth is like, even big brands now recognize that they need Palace more than Palace needs them. You know I mean? Like Palace is cool and that's undeniable. And it, and, uh, cool is something that actually does translate up and into the masses quite well, especially if it's done with a good sense of humor and with, with, with Lev's approach, which is like, this is for everyone, you know, it's not just like the clothes, but it's like these, these sort of like marketing stunts, you know, it, we're really trying to reach everyone, like not fucking around. We're talking about, you know, how, like you said, Sam, how many millions of people are watching Ronaldo kick that score, that goal. And, um, 
So they kind of, they do have that confidence in, in who they are and what they do and what they kind of have to offer. And we just happen to be in a place right now in the world where the leverage, I think, in, in negotiating things like this is, is, is uh, leans more towards palace or like, you know, of course you can think of a million examples of this with Supreme and it's not just budget. It's not just because Supreme has so much money that they're able to like do all the stuff they do. You know, like there's, there's something else there that allows them to get there. And I think frankly, in a lot of cases, palace has one upped Supreme. I mean, I think Supreme saw a big opportunity, you know, Supreme got Kermit the frog, shot by canceled photographer Terry Richardson, like at a time when that that's just like inconceivable. But I think that's still like thinking that's still like thinking it's never available. <laughs> Kermit is extremely difficult to book. I mean, I don't know. I don't fucking know. For all I know, licensing Kermit the Frog costs nothing, but they got him on set and shot his photo or Lady Gaga or, you know, Lou yeah. Reed or, um, you know, Supreme kind of invented this like stunt campaign idea. And then of course, roll that out into all kinds of other real world, you know, they just wrapped the L train and uh, Supreme stickers uh, this week or did take, you know, getting the cover of the New York post. Like these are amazing, like regionally specific stunts. I think Lev to his credit, isn't just following the Jebbia playbook. He's like fucking reimagining things and doing things his own way. You know, like, I think it would be sick if, if players at Wimbledon were wearing Supreme kits, but like Supreme doesn't do that sort of thing palace does um so it's a different approach but i think when you talk about impact palace sort of dreams bigger reaches higher achieves more um but of course supreme's a much bigger brand so they don't really have to you know they're selling a whole lot more t-shirts at the end of the day it's it's apples to oranges i guess yeah lev's figuring out how to, how to get paid for these stunts you know presumably like palace got a nice check from adidas for the Juventus thing, for the Wimbledon thing, um, you know, Supreme probably had to pay the city to wrap the L train. Maybe not, but probably. One imagines yeah. they did. Yeah. And and they can afford to. Do you guys think Shrek paid Supreme or did Supreme pay Shrek? Man, I don't know. Anything can be, you know, anything can be licensed for the right here's amount the, of money. Here's the thing, though. Like, Shrek would wear Palace. A hundred percent. You think Shrek's a palace guy more than he is a Supreme oh, guy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he Scottish? Isn't I guess Shrek so, yeah. Scottish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's in that cave, like ordering everything from the palace website. Yeah, that's right. He's wearing like... those loafers. <laughs> He's more of like, I'm getting photographed by David Sims. Like, am I a dodgy mechanic or am I like the most important skater of my generation? Am I both? It's gnarly. He wants to, I haven't seen Shrek since it came out, but I know, it, clearly I, it stuck with me. Well, I'm, I'm of lately more familiar with the original Shrek book um, by, you know, William Steig, who's a very famous like children's book writer. He wrote the amazing bone. I don't know if people know the Shrek book, but in the Shrek book, the book Shrek, was better. <laughs> the book is much better than the movie. You really got to read the book, you know. <laughs> Come on. Like Shrek is this like disgusting, stinky, horrible, like fire spitting monster that just terrorizes everyone. Palace. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, the book is better than the movie. Lord Farquaad's actually the hero in the book. (laughs) Lord Farquaad, supreme. Supreme 100%. Yeah, Yeah. obviously. He's got bear bricks in that castle. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. 
<laughs> I got to say there are a lot of really good fits in this issue of GQ, the September issue, first ever global issue on newsstands now. Oh, yeah. This is a um, huge fit issue. But I, the one that I like the most, I think, is Love's Fit with the Adidas Palace hat, the just, I think, just off the rack Dallas Cowboys Nike tee. Yeah. The sick, like, sterling silver buckle Western belt, Palace jeans with the duck logo, the duck mascot guy on it, and um, Doc Martens. Just great. great. Yeah. Love, love. Shot by David Sims. When I, yeah. Styled by Nugget. Amazing. We got David Sims to shoot this. He's a good friend of, all the palace guys and lev lev loves to shop he loves clothes he loves like ebay and he's like big into buying vintage and um like we were having this conversation about that and he just got really excited and started showing me some stuff in his closet that was all just like or he showed me this like jumper this sweatshirt that was like some college like american college football merch just like out of the out of the like you know, gift shop from like a big American university from somewhat like D1 football school. And it was, I can't remember what it was. It was somewhere in the South. It was like, but it was much like this cowboy shirt that he's wearing, which is like kind of great. If you think about what it's like to just be Lev, like this extremely English skate dude in London, walking around wearing a Dallas Cowboys shirt. That's like just new, like you said, new off the rack, like Nike branded nike.com it's funny too because they they've flipped this uh, they've flipped dallas cowboys tees before and done palace cowboys oh have yeah. they? i oh, loved yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah and those are they also, he's probably a cowboys fan i don't know they also were like uh the first one of the first brands to catch on to princess diana what did they do? They did a little like collection of like they had a scarf and some t-shirts and stuff but what was on it? Th- Princess Diana, just like a picture of Princess Diana. Oh. Classic Princess Diana from 2017 or 18, I think. I mean, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that it was interesting to see these David Sims photographs. Of course, they've worked with David Sims a lot, but it also, it's funny, I was thinking like, I wonder, you have to wonder like, how much and which fashion brands are looking at palace more and more because like palace has always had this like total consideration of like everything is kind of done together in like one one like a sort of house style which sounds really obvious but like like the the lookbooks were always these like fully conceived like like almost beyond a lookbook, like more like a photo shoot. And of course they worked a lot with Jurgen Teller and obviously Jurgen Teller's been around forever, but they're, I feel like Jurgen Teller's gotten like more and more popular over the past couple of years, but they were really like pushing the, the like classic Jurgen kind of like sloppy weird agenda. And I remember a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, they had like all the models were like holding a bunch of plates because like Teller is German for plate. And then, oh, yeah. Now they have these like, you know, all these David Sims photographs and like, um, you know, like David just shot the Loewe lookbook, which has like all these very like gnarly kind of dudes and, um, you know, obviously like Jonathan Anderson is based in London. I'm sure he's like very aware of Palace, but it was kind of interesting to see like 
seems like uh, like lots of brands are sort of paying attention to what palace is doing yeah i tried to get lev to weigh in more on like the english fashion scene and and he was on the one hand sort of like he's just not paying attention he doesn't go to shows and stuff and then he sort of walked it back and i think he does occasionally go to some fashion shows and but i was just sort of like curious about who he was excited by and i was had to sort of like throw out some names he definitely was like you know, suggested that he was a fan of Grace Wales Bonner um, and and certainly was like aware and interested in the fact that the English fashion scene is, you know, tends to be more exciting and more creative than than the corresponding scenes from around the world in a lot of ways, um, in a lot of very, you know, specific ways. But yeah, I think, I think, Lev is like a, he's like a prophet. Like he sees what's, he knows what's cool in a, in just this like inherent way, or he knows what's going to be cool. And he, he's like a little bit ahead. And I think that's part of the success of palace. And I think, I think it makes sense that a lot of other brands would be watching palace carefully and seeing what they're doing, especially because, you know, it's carried in Dover street market and being worn by extremely cool people around the world, but also like, Let's be real. If you're a big fashion brand that doesn't compete, like you don't see yourself competing with Palace in terms of like price point and customer, these ideas are like there for your, there for your taking, you know? I mean, this is what, this is how it kind of works. And I think Palace is tremendously influential. I'm not saying it's good that people, I think people should have their own original ideas. I'm just saying like, if what you do is sell um, multi-thousand dollar bags and things, then Palace probably has a lot that you can sort of mine, whatever. I mean, David Sims is a mega famous photographer. It makes sense that he's going to shoot with a lot of different people, but it's like, there's, there's a lot of little things I think you can like trace back and be like, Oh, Palace was sort of earlier on that or whatever. I sort of think I could see a world where like things shook out a little differently and, and Lev is more of a, Lev's business is more like JW Anderson than it is like Palace. Like, you know, like, it could have his trajectory could have launched him into the upper into the elite echelons of uh, upper floor contemporary fashion. I'm looking at the um, the Palace web shop right now and the um, the Adidas Palace Day collection that they yeah. just did, and just thinking about how like Jonah Hill 100% blacked out and just bought this entire thing, just bought every <laughs> little every piece. Palace Day is really a good name for a collection. They had one that was like another one that was really good was Palaska, which was uh, just an Alaska themed palace collection. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to put a P in front of Alaska, but it's still pretty good. I think. I also forgot how meta some of, um, or maybe not even some of many of Lev's descriptions are about the fashion industry. Um, there's one of them that I just, I just sort of randomly, I like to just like randomly click around on the web shop and read yeah. the descriptions. Um, and this one for these Adidas towel shorts uh, is mate photographers stack so many peas. They were all sat at home on an evening wearing overpriced toweling shorts, lolling, ordering Nobu bottles of water on Deliveroo. <laughs> and I'm sure if you asked Lev like at the pub, like, hey, man, what do you think about all these like fancy photographers? He'd be like, dude, they don't do shit. And they make so much money. Yeah. And then sometimes they're, and then often if you get sort of near the bottom or like sort of lower middle of the web store, he, um, 
he sort of starts losing his, I don't know, losing his will. And I'll write things like madness today, been on zoom eating nuts for seven hours. That's why these descriptions are shit. <laughs> and you'll just get a bunch of like kind of bricks in a row. Yeah. I mean, he's, he writes a lot of, you know, the collections are deep and constant. They do four collections a year and he's been doing it for years. It makes me think that someone, this wasn't a project for me or for this story, but someone should compile, someone should like take all of them out, like transcribe them into like compile them into one document and like edit it. And you would have some sort of like insane brand manifesto written by Lev. I mean, I think it's like, it's all there. Probably another pretty good reason why he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's like, everything I have to say is, yeah. <laughs> is, caption. is on the e-com. This is you can, truly- You can learn uh, a lot about who he is and his lifestyle and what he likes and where he eats and, you know, what he thinks about yoga. He's truly pioneered e-com long form. They said That's it the palace book. They right said there. it couldn't be done. Do you guys have any final burning questions about palace or skateboarding or fashion or dodgy clothes or- When are you going to teach me how to kickflip? I don't know. I was supposed to, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was supposed to get, get some skate lessons going. I think Tony Hawk did a master class or something. And I was like, Oh shit, I'll get in on this. But um, I don't know, Sam, it might be too late for you. The idea of like a Noah master class is really amazing. It'd just be like people showing you their ideas and you'd be like, that's fucking lame. <laughs> don't do that. I would Stupid. say it's, I would say it's cool. I had this like stress dream a few weeks ago that a, a story I wrote in 2020 or something, like I had never finished it. And you called me and you're like, where the fuck is this story? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's probably based in some reality. I'm going to go back and look at my notes and see what stories you still owe me. There's probably one. I don't owe you a single one. We'll I don't about. owe you anything. We shall see. Now, are you going to come into the city for Palace Artois? I don't know. Yeah, Palace is having a party. When is it? Next week? I think it's next Thursday. No, next Tuesday. Yeah, maybe I'll go for a, a bit of a hang with the lads at the pub. I don't. We'll see. I suspect that when they launched the Stella collaboration with Stella Artois, maybe it was during the pandemic that it launched, and this is like a delayed rollout for like a series of pub events that are happening in different places. I don't know. I got to get, I just got, we just got an invite on just today on this. So uh, more to come, but stay tuned, I guess, or not. We'll probably never talk about it again, to be honest. Well, this has been a real joy and a, and a pleasure and an honor mates. Um, what are you guys working on? What do you guys have anything big coming up? You guys have anything you want to plug <laughs> mixtapes? Uh, my birthday next thursday is it what are you gonna yeah. do party boat everyone does boat parties now huh you, did you charter a ship no i'm not renting a boat i've been on too many the boat party it's the place it's too rough you know you're what do stuck you think, on a boat for four hours it's not fun. what do you think about rachel's idea that we we get a corporate lunch pontoon boat and start recording there and we could like oh, have that some, would be great have some party guests on i'm sure we can get mics that will withstand the wind and spray yeah we'll stock it with palace artois pontoon pod studio all right then see you guys on the pontoon later